Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Happy New Year to you and yours, and welcome to this Tuesday, January 3rd, the year 2023 edition of our show. For the next two hours, we'll be here. And what a glorious day it was if you're a football fan in the state of Louisiana. First, LSU blows out Purdue, Tulane's has the greatest win of its football franchise history. And then it all came tumbling down when a football game transformed into a life or death emergency situation. What What a lesson to be learned from everything that transpired just yesterday. We'll get into all of this and much, much more as we, uh, go through these next two hours thankful to be doing so thankful that you're there thankful that my producer james mesh is back inside the master control suite in the game studios which are on the campus of delta media which houses klwb which is 1037 lafayette we're also on in lake charles on 1041 fm we're simulcast around the world 1037 thegame.com 1041 thegame.com and if you're in the acadiana area and you want to face to the voice, you can because we are also simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. It started with a dominant performance from start to finish. LSU earned its 10th win of the season. And the most lopsided bowl win in program history, a 63-7 to beatdown of Purdue as the Tigers strung together five consecutive touchdowns before halftime. Their defense pitched a shutout. It was 35-zip at the break, and it was all she wrote. It ended up being a varsity versus a JV type of a ball game. Purdue far, far and away, not what they were. But look, LSU certainly played well. They didn't let up. They didn't have any hiccups. Uh, All three quarterbacks got to play and play significantly. Um, Some trick plays were there. Uh, Some young defensive linemen made their presence known. Um, Wow. And even the son of running back coach Frank Wilson returned an interception, a walk-on by the name of Quad Wilson the fourth, returned an interception, ninety-nine yards for a pick-six. It was a uh, thorough, uh, thorough demonstration of just an obliteration of Purdue. Um, Malik Neighbors did a little of this, did a little of that. He um, ended up with nine receptions for one hundred and sixty-three yards and a score. He threw a touchdown to Jaden Daniels on LSU's version of the Philly special. He was named the Citrus Bowl MVP, and LSU just goes on. What a remarkable, remarkable season it has been as LSU gets 
10 wins, their 17th 10-win season in program history. Um, and now the bar has been set. LSU going from cellar dwellers to champions of the SEC West. They defeated Alabama at home, had road wins against Florida and Auburn in the same season for the first time. They played in the SEC championship and then earned its first 10-win season in three years with this dominant bowl win. You take all of that, the fact that LSU returns so much talent next season, every offensive starter from yesterday's game and all but four defensive starters return, going to be pretty darn good. At the same time that LSU was getting its 10th win, big shout-out to the Tulane Green Wave, who, in dramatic fashion, at the buzzer, beats USC 46-45, to coming back from 15 points with about five minutes to go. Wow, what a win for Tulane over USC in the Cotton Bowl. Man, um, it's amazing, amazing. What an amazing, amazing job done by Willie Fritz and that team, and it was great to see. And I'm not the Tulane fan. I'm just not. Born and raised in New Orleans, but I'm thrilled for them. Starving for success, and they got it. What a big-time win for the Tulane Green Wave. Just just remarkable. Remarkable. And then the story got um, – no, the football was great. And we're, the anticipation of watching Joe Burrow in Cincinnati against Josh Allen in Buffalo <clears> – <throat> And both teams started off. Cincinnati with a touchdown, marched down the field. Buffalo marched down the field, couldn't punch it in, but got a field goal. And then an horrific scene as DeMar Hamlin collapsed to the turf at Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati. A football game transforming into a life-or-death emergency situation. Suddenly everything got real for everyone, the players and the coaches on the field. You could see you could see the look, the concern, um, the hush over the fans in the sold-out stadium. And me being one of millions in a national television audience watching from the comfort of my home. And all I could see was the expressions in the players' eyes and the, the look that you could just tell. This was not just any other injury. Something had gone terribly wrong players who have been through this and are trained at next man up accustomed to injury were all of a sudden shaken down to their knees, traumatized by what they were witnessing. It's the worst case scenario ever. A player suffering a life-threatening injury on the playing field as millions watched at home. The television cameras pointing down, the players surrounding the cart so you couldn't see but you were gravitated and looking and looking and looking. So we went from the celebratory mood of the wins by LSU and Tulane to now the jarring emotion of what was transpiring, the, the best of sport and the worst of sport unfolding in a matter of hours. Just, um, just devastating. Just devastating. Um, Wow. 
The Buffalo Bills said that their safety, DeMar Hamlin, had suffered a had his heartbeat restored after suffering cardiac arrest. He is still in critical condition at a Cincinnati hospital. Our boss, who is a uh, huge, huge Detroit Lions fan, sent a note saying, hey, this has happened before. Uh, 50 years ago, Detroit Lions' Chuck Hughes died on the field. Um, wow. Collapsed. And, of course, science and, and medicine today so far better than what it was then. It's believed that Hughes is the only NFL player competing in the game who who died in a game. A tragedy that occurred with a minute left to play. Just a glaring reminder of life's fragility. We, we put these athletes on these pedestals and we criticize them. And I remember... I remember all of us talking about um, Mark Ingram from running out of bounds a yard early while playing injured and trying to save himself from another hit. We have become desensitized to the game's inherent violence. We forget that these players, albeit they make so much money, and they're there for our entertainment, but they're not characters in a video game or discardable pieces for your fantasy football team. They're people, living, breathing, feeling human beings. They're fathers and husbands, sons and brothers. They have families and friends and loved ones, just like all of us. Just like all of us. Boy, what a lesson, lesson to be learned. Hopefully, prayers will continue and hopefully, We'll get good news that this athlete, so young, Damar Hamlin, will be okay. Not worried about him ever playing football again, but that he is able to live a life. A comfortable life. And if he's able to play football again, well, God bless him. God bless him. But just that he's alive, that he is healthy that he doesn't have brain damage or the or or other measures tied to it. What a range of emotions the day was. And yes, they're not playing football. And and the league has not come out and said uh, they're not going to play this week. The week 18 schedule uh, is is intact. Um, will they make this game up? I, I just don't see how. Uh, certainly it has effects on playoff games and playoff seedings. And, and look, while, while we move on, as life teaches us to do so, we will move on. We'll talk about LSU's win. Uh, we'll talk about the Saints' win, but how they're knocked out of playoff uh, contention. We'll go on and talk about it. But DeMar Hamlin sits in a hospital, and his loved one's still there, hoping, waiting for good news and a sign that normalcy will return. Their whole lives in the blink of a second have been changed and changed forever. Man. Man, 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 man. Um, uh, but our show goes on. And we will go on as well. 
our guest list today, Matthew Bruni, will join us. We'll talk about LSU's demolition of Purdue, uh, and now the bar has been set. LSU has a favorable schedule next year. Bama's on the road. Florida State's in Orlando. Everybody else kind of comes to Tiger Stadium. A lot of high, high hopes and expectations. We'll go over that. LSU basketball gets a win over Arkansas, and now they have to go to the Commonwealth of Kentucky to play the Wildcats. LSU, one vote shy of getting into the top 25. They're the next team out. So they're really the 26th team in the AP poll. Kentucky's reeling. They lost their opener big time to Missouri in Mizzou. It's going to be a hostile environment. How will LSU respond? We'll talk to longtime Kentucky basketball um, reporter, analyst, John Clay from the Lexington Daily Herald. He'll join us in this hour as well. And as we mentioned, it's a Tuesday. It's the Saint, It's the Black and Gold Report with the Saints News Network's Bob Rose as we go over the Saints with a huge win, a great win. And they'll close out Week 18 at home against the Carolina Panthers with no place to go afterwards. Season will come to a halt. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers won, and so the Saints season will be over after they play Carolina. No playoffs this year. These stories and much, much more coming your way. So let's take our first time out of the day. LSU 63, Purdue 7. Wow. We'll talk about it when we return to the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and World Series champion Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hey, we welcome you back. 63-7. to My gosh. Ten wins. I I thought LSU would blow Purdue out. I didn't think it would be like that. My goodness gracious. Um, Matthew Bruni, kind enough to join us with his thoughts on this and where do we go from here? Uh, Matthew, Happy New Year. I think uh, if you're an LSU coach and an LSU part of that system, uh, you got just about everything you wanted. You got a, a, a win. You got to play a lot of people. Uh, everybody was happy. Wow, you even got a coach's son, an interception return for a pick six. I mean, you couldn't have gone any better, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you checked all the boxes there. It's uh, both sides of the ball, too. I mean, you got to see um, all three quarterbacks a bit. Uh, you got to see Malik Neighbors go crazy. with. A, I mean, on even through for a touchdown pass and two completions. I mean, they pulled out the trick plays defensively. I thought they were very impressive, even, even without – Three starting defensive linemen. They still got after Purdue. Um, yeah, they just checked all the boxes off and put them away early and had some fun. I thought it was great that that Coach Kelly, you know, Jaden Daniels got the start, got him the lead, but Garrett Nussmeyer came in, got some equal playing time. Walker Howard plays most of the fourth quarter. I mean, they, um, they <laughs> again, you couldn't ask for anything better. Everybody should be happy now going into the offseason. Yeah, the quarterback um, position obviously will be the talking point going into the spring. Um, and 
we have to remember there's also a spring um, there's a transfer portal window after spring practices so you know right. they very well could be the case to where they're like all right we're gonna go into the spring with an open mind and you know let everybody compete and stuff like that um I said the last time I, I talked to you, I would be surprised if both were on the roster going into 2023 season. But, um, and I still feel that way. But you know they're going to go into it with uh, competition. I think Nussmeier is very, very talented, and Daniels will continue to improve. So both had good days. Um, you know, it was a little bit. It was a game that they really wanted to win, and I think the urgency was there on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And both quarterbacks stepped up and made plays. Uh, it ended up being a glorified varsity versus junior varsity, but LSU didn't let up. And uh, so when you when you surmise everything, you beat Bama at home, you get road wins against Florida and Auburn, uh, you get a thorough, the, the, the most points scored in a bowl game in LSU history to get to your 10th win. I mean, what else? I mean, what a, what a successful first season, my goodness. Yeah, and obviously, in the moment, the Texas A&M loss hurt, um, and it 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 was a big deal. Um, I think that kind of showed the limitations as far as depth goes. Just uh, it spoke to what they had done up to that point and how exhausting it was to go on the run that they went on from that stretch of mm-hmm. games. And I think this game kind of showed what this team is if you give them adequate break and you give them depth moving forward to where they're not tired going into the back half of the season and um, they can be more fresh. I just felt like they played fresh, play had a spark to them, and that's something we hadn't seen really in a while. Yeah, they were flying around having some fun, which takes us to next year. I I know you open up against Florida State and in Orlando, the same exact facility that you just beat Purdue. So you open up there. Um, You've got Arkansas at home. You've got Auburn at home. You've got Florida at home. And you've got Texas A&M at home. So your road games are at Ole Miss, at Missouri, and at Alabama. Um, I think it's a far more favorable schedule this year. And with all the, the 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 starters coming back, you get your quarterback back. I mean, the expectation will be through the roof, I believe. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you come off of a 10-4 season and, you know, you're one win away from a 10-2 regular season. It's a – the expectations are going to be very, very high. And I think they should be. I think – Yep. When you return as much as they are going to return on both sides of the ball, it's remember offensively they all five offensive linemen, uh, both quarterbacks, um, receiver wise you lose Kayshawn, but you return Malik Bryan, and um, you have plenty of guys coming in. So I mean, expectations will be very high. You keep your whole coaching staff. There's we talked about it before, but the preseason rankings. I mean, everybody's going to love this LSU team. Because they return everybody, and so yeah. um, defensively, we'll see where they make adjustments or where they add on the defensive line. Um, I like a few of the transfers that they brought in, so that'll be a question. But as far as what the expectations for this team will be next year, I think it's going to be very high. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Vegas had it at around nine for next year. I'm with you. Um, the internet's amazing. You can put anything on it that you want, and and people, some will take it literally some will take it with a grain of salt um there was an internet story going around about something that took place during the 
SEC championship game. Uh, Brian Kelly addressed, not specifically that, but was asked about um, any of his coaching staff being on their way out because of an off-field uh, situation, and he dispelled that one quite quickly, didn't he? Yeah, I um, I think that that was going to happen. I, we were kind of just waiting. It's hard. It's really hard for LSU and anybody you know around there to address that because, like you said, it's it was literally just a screenshot of something anybody in the world could have right. texted, and it gets it gets out and gets spread around, and people believe it. My phone was getting blown up yesterday. Like, oh, what what's the situation yep. here? And I'm like, it's uh, just a, a rumor, and you know the. I I think yeah that's the only way it would have brought up if it is if he was asked about it you know indirectly and I think he addressed it pretty quickly and uh, they'll move on. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm with you. Um, do you believe that he will make any changes on his staff? And of course, everybody's going to talk about Brian Polian as the um, uh, special teams coordinator. I got a funny feeling nothing's going to change. I don't know why, but I just yeah. I think they're going to go back to work. Maybe get him some help. Uh, along those lines, I, I don't see any changes coming. Yeah, I don't. I don't see any either. Um, I think that they're very happy with all ten of them. I mean, <laughs> he he got on Brian Pullen yesterday when they when Purdue converted the fake punt, and um, I just think it's going to be under a very very. Um, they're going to. He's going to be under a microscope. Pullen will uh, this whole off season as far as execution goes, as far as attention to detail goes. Um, they have plenty of film to work with and plenty of mm-hmm. mistakes to clean up. Uh, but at the end of the day, it is special teams. And while we, it obviously plays a big part in games. I mean, it's something that's not as intricate as offenses and defenses go. It should be something he's capable of cleaning up. I mean, he's he's not a rookie head. He's not a rookie coach. He knows what he's doing. So that's right. Hopefully, uh, going into next year, and they get a capable punt returner and kick returner and can kind of go from there and add add some depth to I think that's a big thing is they'll have yeah. more depth next year to have better it's players. A, rem- a, a remarkable season, a remarkable beatdown, which differs from the two best semifinal games I've ever seen with Georgia rallying to beat Ohio State and TCU never giving up and just what a game that was in the Tulane USC game. What a, three of the best college football games you could ever ask for. It was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the I feel I, I hate that I missed most of the Tulane game. I tune in as as Tulane's driving down uh, because obviously the LSU game was going on concurrently, right. so I was had to write on that. But I flip it over there and I see Tulane scores. I'm texting my friends like, "Hey, give me the rundown. What just happened?" They said, "Oh, safety and everything." Oh my god, that was crazy. So, uh, but yeah, the playoff the playoff games were amazing. I didn't. That's all I was doing on on New Year's Eve. I sat there and watched for a good night eight nine hours uh, watching those games. So. Uh, I'm glad TCU made. It. Obviously, I'm from Texas, so I'm, I enjoyed TCU getting getting to make it. And Georgia's flawed. I don't know how you... I, I, they're flawed. The secondary gives me concern still. We saw that with LSU, but um, they're still very talented. They're, they're very good. But how can you not love TCU and that story and the way they play? Um, it wouldn't surprise me if somehow TCU pulled a rabbit out of the hat and won. It would not surprise me at all. I think it's going to be a terrific game. My goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of miss college football already. Um, I, the expectations right. for LSU, I think, is it's going to be terrific. I think, um, man, I, I, I'm ready. Yeah, that's a, 
yeah, the last game. I mean, I've, the last game of uh, the season will be the championship game. No games until then, and then we're in full off-season mode at that point, and uh, you know, getting the spring ball, which will yeah. I don't know when exactly that will start this year, but getting the spring ball and kind of go from there. And uh, Matthew, see how uh, I've been around. Out the yeah, I've been around a while, and it's so funny. And you talk about turn the world upside down. For so many years, it was like, God, LSU's got to find a quarterback. If we just had a quarterback, we got everything else. Now it's going to be like, now we got too many quarterbacks. Are we going to be able to keep them all? Is one going to leave? And it's it's so funny to me how things just turn topsy turvy upside down. And uh, you got a ton of them. I don't know how you keep them all. Uh, but that's something for Brian Kelly and his staff and these players to mull over and see. Everybody wants to play, but not everybody can. And Brian, and Brian Kelly said, we don't have a quarterback controversy. Jaden Daniels is our quarterback, and he deserves to be. But Garrett Nussmeyer will get a chance, but I just don't know how that works. I just don't. I, me, me neither. Uh, that quote didn't really make a ton of sense to me, <laughs> uh, just because I, I feel like, well, one thing, the first thing is that it's clear that Jaden and Garrett want to be at LSU. They both have had plenty of opportunities to leave. Jaden with the NFL, yeah. Garrett, I'm sure, has had plenty of rumblings from teams <laughs> through the transfer portal, whether that's you know legal or not. But um, <coughs> they both have plenty of opportunities. I think they both really want to be at LSU. They enjoy LSU, and they're going to try their best to make it work. The question is, obviously, if you're Garrett or Jaden at this point in your career, you got to get on the field, and, and that's just my opinion. Maybe they feel differently, but yeah. you got to get on the field and start playing, especially with how well they've both played this year. Matthew Bruni, Happy New Year. Uh, thank you. We'll start talking hoops again, okay? All right. Sounds good. Big one tonight. You take See if they can be you, Yeah, good, big one tonight. And we're, we're heading to Lexington right after we're done with you. So thank you for your time. I greatly appreciate it, buddy. Be good. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Matthew Bruni, uh, Tiger on 3com If you didn't get what you wanted from Santa, don't worry. We have gifts that uh, you really want in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou Casino Resort. We also now have $40 gift cards to Misfits Dine and Drink in Broussard and a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. But you can only score these fabulous prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Tigers, Wildcats, Hoops. Oh, what a rivalry it's been. Will it continue tonight at Rupp Arena? We'll take you there. When we return to the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Jordy Holtberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? You just wash your hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time and you can kiss my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holtberg and the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 37 minutes after the hour, when I a long time ago, when I was playing basketball for LSU, the the target was always Kentucky. If you could beat Kentucky, then you knew you could beat 
anybody and that basketball rivalry uh, with Dale Brown and um, and Joe B. Hall and all that just rose and Rick Patino and on and on and on and on. It, 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 it rose to such a crescendo that was great for basketball in the Southeastern Conference. They'll renew this rivalry again today uh, at Rupp Arena. It's a 7 o'clock tip. LSU 1-0 after their win, what seems like a long time ago, Wednesday, uh, when they beat Arkansas. Kentucky lost to Mizzou in its SEC opener, but they're coming off an impressive 86-63 win over their big rival, Louisville on Saturday. Now, if you want to know anything in the Commonwealth, you go to the czar of the Commonwealth, and that's our next guest, John Clay, the well-respected columnist for the Lexington Herald leader. He's also got the John Clay podcast. He is Kentucky. John, happy new year, and thank you so much for your time, man. How are you? I'm good. Happy new year to you, Jordy. Um, Tell me about the Wildcats. Uh, I don't know when's the last time LSU and Kentucky played a basketball game where both teams were not in the AP Top 25. Right. Yeah, Kentucky started out in the Top 5, but they've slipped out of the Top 25, mainly because they just have not played well against good teams this year. They've uh-huh. uh, they've had their way with the, you know, the uh, home guarantee games and so forth, right. and they beat a – Louisville team that you mentioned on Saturday, but Louisville's you know really had their struggles under first year coach Kenny Payne. They're two and twelve, but uh, against name opponents, Kentucky's one and four. Uh, they lost to Gonzaga by double digits. They lost to UCLA by double digits. They lost in their SEC uh, road, uh, SEC opener on the road in Missouri uh, by fifteen points. Uh, you know they've really struggled against good competition to this to this point. John, uh, Cal talked about playing more deliberate that doesn't mean they're walking the ball up and down the court but deli- what, what does he mean by playing more deliberate because it certainly worked against Louisville I think he doesn't want to push the ball quite as much I mean as he said they were you know running off the of makes off the other team uh, and he thought that they got a little too rushed a little out of control so he wants to slow that aspect down if the break is there he wants him to take it but uh, if the break's not there he doesn't want him to force things he thought looking at the Missouri film especially, that they tried to force too much, play a little more of a half-court game, set up Oscar Sheepway on the post, try to get him the ball, if not try to swing the ball more from side to side. Uh, he just wants them to be a little more, uh, I don't know if cautious is the right word, but like he said, he'd like for them to be a little more deliberate in what they're doing on the offensive end of the floor. He's also said um, he's had a lot of talk with these players. You know, you go to Kentucky and the expectations are always – if you're not in the national championship game, uh, it's a it's a down year, and that that's hard to live up to year after year after year. And he's he's talked to players about, hey, this isn't life and death. Look, we got beat by Missouri, but look, we're back on the court again, and uh, we get to play again. So, has has Cal kind of calmed down a little bit? <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if he's calmed down a little bit, but he's yeah. I mean, a lot of that goes to the fact that they're you know they're nine and four. They've had four losses already. And uh, one of those was in a conference, you know, conference game. Uh, you know, and you could make the case that Cal adds to a lot of that because he, you know, refers to the program as being the gold standard. Right. You know, and that before every home game, you know, they announced the Kentucky, the PA announcer announced Kentucky has the greatest history, uh, the greatest tradition in the history of college uh, basketball, that sort yeah. of thing. So, uh, you know, they went down to the Bahamas. Played four game, exhibition games in the Bahamas in the summer, where they just blasted the opponent. 
you know, the inferior opponents that kind of drove up expectations. They're top mm. five in the preseason rankings. Some people even picking them number one in the preseason rankings. And then they start out nine and four. So I think that's kind of Cal's way of saying, you know, trying to tamper down those or, uh, expectations or explain, you know, the problems that they've had to this point. I think two of my four years, and then I started coaching the three of five, um, was always senior day. And when they, they'd run through those circular paper things with their images and the old Kentucky home was being sung, man, what, uh, it's, whew, it's tough to play in that joint really is tough. Uh, John Clay, Lexington Herald leader, uh, with us. How did y'all convince Oscar Shibway, the college basketball player of the year? How'd you convince him to come back and play again? Well, I don't think he was going to be a high first-round draft pick. I think if he was going to be picked in the NBA draft, it was going to be in the later part of the first round or maybe early second round. So I think Oscar decided that he wanted to come back and work on the things that the NBA scouts told him he needed to work on, okay. maybe develop more of an outside shot, be able to guard out on the perimeter, uh, because at his size, he's not he's only 6'9". Uh, right. You know, he's a glass eater, and he can score underneath the basket, but they want him to develop more of his game. And also, Jordy NIL paid. Uh, played a role in it as well uh, because he is a foreign student and on a foreign visa there were some restrictions on uh, what he could and could could not make as far as nil goes they got some of that straightened out found some opportunities for him and i think that played into it as well but i think the number one thing is he wants to work on some things uh that the nba scouts told him to work on so he could be a higher draft pick uh when the next draft comes up. If he, if he goes and gets a bunch of tattoos and learns to defend a little bit, man, that's Dennis Rodman part two because nobody's better <laughs> on the boards than Oscar right. Shibway. Nobody. Right, and he had, he had knee surgery right before the season started. Missed the first couple of games. He was a little slow getting started. We thought he wasn't quite like Oscar of last year, and it'd be pretty hard to duplicate what yeah. Oscar um, you know, has, did last year. But he's come on here lately. Uh, he had 28-19, and 19, even though they lost to Missouri, 24-14 and 14 against Louisville on mm. uh, on Saturday. You know, He's starting to look more like the old Oscar, and I think that's another thing where Cal – we were talking about earlier about being more deliberate in their half-court game is to take more advantage of Oscar and try to get the yeah. ball into Oscar and make it go inside out where instead of rushing things, and there were sometimes, you know, in their, even in their half-court offense where they didn't even look Oscar's way. And I think that's Cal wants, definitely wants to change that. 17 points, 14 rebounds a game for Oscar Shibway. John Clay with us. When I think in Kentucky, I always think of great outside shooting. Um do you have that this year, or is it marginal at best? They've shot really well at home. They have shot not nearly as well on the road. Uh, their three-point shooting uh, has been up and down. Uh, they're shooting 39%. They're shooting a good percentage, especially for a Cal team. Uh, they didn't take a whole lot of threes the other day against against Louisville. They didn't need to. Uh, mm-hmm. C.J. Frederick, who had the transfer from Iowa, got hurt last year, did not play, is back this year. He's hurt again. He's probably their best outside shooter. Antonio Reeves, uh, we, we're not sure if CJ is going to play tonight. I doubt that he will play. Uh, Antonio Reeves, a transfer from Illinois State, who scored uh, over 20 points a game at Illinois State. He's been up and down in his shooting so far. He's had nights where he's been really hot. He's had other nights when he's been really cold. Uh, he, they had been starting him. They did not start him the last couple of games. Uh, they feel like Cal has said he feels like a slower pace will benefit and Antonio Reeves. Cason Wallace, who's really, you can make the case, Cason's been their best player from the start of the season until now, a freshman guard. 
Heath's reputation coming in was more of a defensive player and a really good athlete, but he shot the ball pretty well, and he shot the ball really well from three, better than expected. So they do have outside shooting, but it's been hot and cold, and it's tended to be hotter at home than it has been on the road. Part of that's a competition. They played lesser competition at home as well, but obviously they're more comfortable at up shooting the ball. Kentucky's 9-4, and 0-1 oh in the SEC. They've fallen out of the top 25. Dare I say, is there, um, is that heater getting turned up a little bit on Cal, or is that still kind of lukewarm or not at all? No, I mean, he's, there's definitely, you know, he's taken more criticism, and there's been more grumbling this year, because you got to remember, uh, I like to say they're still uh, operating under the uh, – Sam Peters uh, uh, trauma syndrome after they lost to Sam Peters at 15 seed in the yeah. tournament last year. And they went 9-16 and 16 the year before that in the COVID year. So then to start off this season, they lose in double overtime to Michigan State in the Champions Classic, and they basically mm-hmm. get blown out. They were really never in the game at Gonzaga and lose by 16. You hear a lot of grumbling uh, about Cal. Uh, not to the point where I, you know, I think Cal's in any danger, of, you know, of them making a change or anything like that. But right. uh, he needs some wins, and he needs some wins against some good competition to kind of quiet down uh, his critics. And there seem to be more critics now than there has been at any point during his time at Kentucky. I mean, they could he could schedule like LSU schedules with a bunch of you know <laughs> easy right. wins. But I understand why Matt McMahon did that right. with the team he has. He could do that. And then they may not be as much grumbling. Um, you know, you add three more wins. Now you're now you're 12, 12 and one or 13 and one, whatever. Um, that's a whole different story. Right. But I think with Kentucky, I think the big thing has been they really haven't even been in the games where they played the better competition. Like I said, Gonzaga jumped out on early, beat them by 16. They lost by 10 to UCLA up in New York and the CBS Sports Classic, and then they go to Missouri and get, you know, Missouri was pretty much in control from start to finish in that game, which I think would be different if they were losing, you know, by just a few points in those games. I think people say, well, they're on the road. It's good competition. It takes a while to develop, but they haven't played well in any of those games. So I think that's part that leads to the grumbling. Is LSU still kind of a, a big game for Kentucky or does it just another one? No, I think it's a big game, and I think tonight is a big game for Kentucky because, it, you know, I, they may have played their schedule may have been so so, but they're twelve. LSU's twelve and one. They got a really good win over Arkansas last week. Yeah. Uh, Matt, you know, people at Kentucky know Matt McMahon from his time at uh, Murray State. He brought a couple yeah. of really good players with him from from Murray State. And like you said, Jordy, I mean, this is a rivalry, the basketball rivalry that goes back a long way. And so uh, LSU, I think the name LSU, the program LSU, means something to Kentucky fans who, you know, follow the histories of SEC basketball and the games between the two schools. So, yeah, definitely, I think this game gets more attention, uh, you know, whatever year it is, especially if LSU has a really good team, gets more attention than some of the other SEC games or most of the other SEC games that Kentucky plays. Wouldn't it be fun if if LSU could roll out – at guard, Pistol Pete and uh, Chris Jackson or Mahmoud Abdul Rauf, and then you got Bob Pettit, uh, Shaq. Um, you know that that'd be pretty good four to roll out there. Uh, maybe Rudy Macklin, a, a Kentucky native, as as the fifth against right. Kentucky's all time five. I know Issa will be in there. Um, right. Maybe Macy would be in there. Um, got some other ones. I mean, you got some really good. I mean, Booker, geez, some Booker right. and. Right. Uh, uh, Gilchrist Alexander, those guys are tearing it up in the league. Right. Anthony Davis, if he can stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. A, guy, a guy, Jordy, the, who 
Only played here, of course, only played here one year. It wasn't that highly tatted when he got here, but he had a good year. He was doing great in the NBA. Shea Gilgis Alexander. But yep. uh, your old buddy Dan Issel, he's got his own radio show there in Louisville. He's the inter- entertaining guy to listen to. So that be fun. That would be a lot of fun to roll out Dan and Shaq and have those guys go against each other. That would be that would be a lot of that would be great entertainment to yep. watch. He would get sixty something against Kentucky, and Kentucky would win by twenty. But it was a great theater. It was a great show. Great That's right. Show. That's the John, way it was with Pete. There's no doubt about it. Oh yeah. Well, John, um, I'm sure another sellout crowd at Rupp. That's it's 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 uh it's a basketball mecca, no question about it. But thank you for your time as always, and man, continued success, continued good health, and thank you for spending some time with us. Thanks for having me on, Jordy. It's always great to talk to you. All right, buddy. You take care, John Clay. Lexington Herald leader, the uh, he is the knowledge of the Commonwealth, without question, without doubt. Seven o'clock tip tonight, LSU at Kentucky. Can the Tigers go two and zero and make Kentucky zero and two? If LSU goes to Rupp and wins, oh, they'll be in the top twenty-five. I can promise you that. Well, get Mardi Gras started the right way with a real fun run. Trail presents the Lundy Gras Barathon Monday, February 20th. It's four miles through Freetown, just south of the parade route. Wear a costume, enjoy free drinks throughout the course, served at the Adult Hydration Station. A party bus will follow close behind so runners can jump aboard at any time. Run all or some or none. The audience will vote for the winner of the costume contest, so bring your loudest, craziest friends. It's the Lundy Gras Barathon. Free drinks, food, and prizes. Register now, latrail.org. Back to wrap up our number one, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the fighting Tigers of LSU and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 55 minutes after the hour as we wrap up our number one. It's kind of amazing. LSU and Florida State will open up this coming season, the 2023 season, in Orlando. Oh, by the way, Florida State won the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando this past Thursday um, with a 39-yard field goal with 55 seconds left as Florida State beat Oklahoma 35-32. So they won the Cheez-It Bowl on Thursday. LSU won the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl on Monday, 63-7 over Purdue. They'll meet in the season opener in 2023 to determine who's the cheesiest. That's just kind of a joke, right? Kind of a joke. Yep. Um, anyway, um, Pelicans great at home. They lost two in a row on the road to Memphis and to Philadelphia. So it's time to come back home uh, to get another win. That's coming up later on this week. We've got LSU basketball tonight against Kentucky. Um, and the New Orleans Saints have uh, – will wrap up their season against the Carolina Panthers as uh, Tampa Bay has wrapped up the NFC South and the Saints will not go uh, bowling um, or, you know, playoffing 
after this. So, um, look, they've won a couple games in a row. There's no question about it. a big win over Philadelphia. The Saints have won three in a row. They're seven and nine. They got a chance to beat Carolina, who's six and ten, um, to get to eight and nine. I don't know. I don't know. Dennis Allen is not going to get fired, though. I can tell you that. Now, whether he makes some changes on his staff, we'll talk all about that with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Uh, the Black and Gold Report coming your way in hour number two. This is the Jordy Helpert Show brought to you by Eon. Eon of Lafayette, of Baton Rouge, of Mandeville. Touchless robotic laser to help you lose those unwanted pounds in places that you just can't lose them. Go to Eon, E-O-N, and find out all the details. It's simple, it's painless, and it's affordable. Hour number two, straight ahead, the Jordy Helpert Show. In the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go. James Mesh, my producer, back in the game studios on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. So hi, all you guys and gals out there in Lake Charles. We appreciate you. Uh, we're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. So wherever you are, thank you so much for joining in. And if you want to uh, watch us on television, you can as well in the Acadiana area. We're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Uh, LSU with a huge win. Tulane with an incredible come-from-behind win to beat Tulane. We know who's going to play for the national championship, Sonny Dykes and TCU um, with their win over Michigan back and forth. It went. And then Georgia uh, withstanding Ohio state, the kick that went way short and way wide left and Georgia beats Ohio state. So a week from uh, this coming Monday, it'll be TCU and Georgia for the national championship. The saints get their third win in a row. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the better games the Saints have played. Unfortunately for New Orleans, the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers won. And because of that, with one game remaining, and because Tampa Bay has the tiebreaker over the Saints, uh, Tampa Bay wins the NFC South, and the Saints, the Panthers, and the Falcons will all go home um, waiting for next season so one game left in the regular season philadelphia is at 13 and 3 kansas city i mean excuse me dallas and minnesota are at 12 and 4 as is san francisco um the 49ers with a nine game winning streak the longest streak in the league uh can they hold on to it we shall see uh there will be no makeup at this point in time of the Bengals and the Bills from last night. Uh, just so sad 
the t- t- the events that happened with Demar Hamlin uh, needing uh, life support on the field to resuscitate his heart, uh, still in critical condition, uh, condition in a Cincinnati hospital, uh, and so many people complaining that it took the NFL so long to um, postpone or cancel the game. There's so many tentacles to this thing. Um, and they're trying to get the most uh, up, up to the second information on this thing. But everybody knew from the get-go that this was not going to be a situation where uh, either team would want to play. Uh, the Hamlin family, grateful for the support, uh, still asking for people's prayers. Uh, fans um, have given millions to DeMar Hamlin's toy drive for kids. Um, he wanted to raise $2,500 online to buy toys for needy kids. Well, um, that that has certainly um, <laughs> it took about two years to do that. Then came Monday. He's critically injured. He instantly became one of the biggest stories in sports, and thousands of people found his GoFundMe page, and the result was roughly $4.5 million donated in the first 18 hours after his injury and the number is climbing. A fundraiser that as of last month had raised $2,921 was up to $4,539,260 by 2 o'clock today. Um, so um, people doing whatever they can to show their care and their thoughts, uh, and that's that's just awesome. That is awesome. Um, LSU basketball. Back in the fray tonight against Kentucky. Uh, Tigers trying to go 2-0 and in conference play. Kentucky trying to avoid going 2-0. and uh, The Tigers just out of the top 25. Um, they're the next team out. Uh, so Matt McMahon's 12-1 and team uh, doing pretty good. So you'll have the big matchup and the what all the broadcasters will talk about is the matchup of Oscar Sheboy of Kentucky and KJ Williams of LSU. Sheboy averaging 17 points, 14 rebounds a contest, Williams averaging 19 points and 8 rebounds a contest. Two of the SEC's premier forwards uh will be able to show their wares on the court tonight. Um New Year's was brought in on a women's basketball note, as Kim Mulkey's Tigers took on Vanderbilt, um, they won that by more than 20. Uh, to follow up their 24-point win over Arkansas, and LSU's women's team has climbed up two spots in the AP poll. They are at number seven in women's college basketball rankings, so that's pretty darn good for them. Uh, no question, no doubt about that. Uh, the Pelicans, uh, success at home, all right? Very good at home. They are 16-4 uh, and four in the Smoothie King Center. Tough on the road. They lost back-to-back games at Memphis and at Philadelphia. Uh, they're 7-10 and 10 on the road. They're now 23-14 and 14 overall. One full game behind Denver, a half a game behind Memphis, They are currently in the third slot. Look, all that matters in the NBA is if you can finish in the top four. In the top four, that means you get a first-round home court advantage in the playoffs. After that, you got to go on the road. And we know how the road is for 
for LSU, uh, for, for the Pelicans, excuse me. It's not the easiest of places. Uh, Zion Williamson had a hamstring injury in the loss to Philadelphia. I uh, don't know the severity of it, uh, but hopefully he's not going to be uh, out. He left late in the third quarter in the loss to Philly. Hopefully he will be okay sooner rather than later. And again, you, you got to get uh, you got to get your players back on the court. You got to get them back on the court. And his absence was just too much to overcome from Embiid and company. And that's all she wrote. So Pels try to get back on the schneid, off the schneid Wednesday, tomorrow against the Houston Rockets. There's a distinct possibility they'll be without Brandon Ingram and Williamson. Um, but their biggest strength this year has been depth. Uh, that'll be tested, though, if neither one of their all-star forwards can go. But you're playing against a Houston team that talented, no question, talented, but they're playing for that lottery pick. And right now they are at the bottom of the barrel in the Western Conference. They are uh, 10 and 27 overall, winning only one of their last 10 losers of four straight. So if you ever want to get right, you get right against the Houston Rockets. Yes, indeed. Um, now that you scored an Amazon Alexa or Google Home smart speaker for Christmas, I've got the Amazon Alexa. It's, it's just remarkable. Did you know you can listen to the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, on it? It's very simple. Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Saints win, eliminated from the playoffs. LSU wins their bowl game. They get to 10 wins. Tulane, just fabulous. A game down to the wire. They get a safety. They make... um, they, they get the ball back, and they, they go down and score with like six seconds left to go. Just remarkable stuff for Tulane. They're, I know they loved beating LSU the, the few times that they ever did in their history. And Tulane used to be a really good program. They used to be in the SEC. Uh, but then they got away from it. And you know their biggest goal, their, their life savior in every sport was to beat LSU. Well, to go to the Cotton Bowl, with 11 wins, and play USC. And remember, Vegas had the Trojans favored by a point and a half. How do they know these things? How do they know? How are they so good at it? Yeah, LSU's favored by 14 and a half, and they ended up, they, they, they knew LSU was going to win big. They knew they were going to win big. I don't know if they knew 63 to 7 big, but they knew they were going to win big. USC, a one and a half point favorite. Tulane wins by one. I mean, remarkable. Absolutely remarkable how good Vegas is. Those lights are on for a reason. They don't lose often. They they just don't. They just don't. So Tulane, remarkable win. I still think it's the greatest win in their sports history. And I'm thrilled for them. And I don't like Tulane. I don't like them at all. But I'm glad they won. That was sensational, sensational. All right, we'll take a quick time out here when we come back. Uh, 
Saints News Network, Bob Rose for the Black and Gold Report. Everything on the New Orleans Saints, everything on the NFL as well. When we return here on this uh, Tuesday, January 3rd, the year 2023. So when you write those checks out, remember, it's 2023. How long will it take you to get used to that again? How many of you have already written a check that says 2022 and you got to go, oh, right over that last two, make it into a three? I know you have. I do it all the time. But anyway, does anybody write checks anymore? Seriously, it's all play over the computer, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, some of us old schoolers still like to write the checks out. All right, we'll take our time out. Bob Rose, St. Sue's at work. This is the Jordan Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Well, the Saints uh, arguably played their best game of the season in beating what uh, many consider the best team in football in a a game that that best team in football wanted to win to wrap up first um, and and an opening bye in the NFL playoffs. And the Saints win over the Eagles 20-10 to and then get the news that, ah, alas, poor Yorick, your playoff chances are done because Tampa Bay beats Carolina to win the NFC South. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, Happy New Year despite all of that, my friend. Happy New Year to you, Jordy. And yeah, this is just one more reason to hate Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> that was a good win by the Saints. I mean, they yeah. I mean they jump out to a 13-zip lead, and then here comes Philly. It's 13-10. Saints get the final touchdown to win it. That that maybe their best win of the year. Uh yeah, it's certainly their most impressive. Uh, you know, this defense has been playing championship caliber football for about six weeks or so now. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the offense, I was impressed with the game plan in the first half. Uh, really kept a good Philadelphia defense back on their heels. Yeah. They missed a few uh, scoring opportunities, which worried me going into halftime. Uh, you know, and once again, we saw Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael get ultra conservative in the second half. Right. Uh, but listen, when you have a defense that's playing the way that they are, that, you know, that, that unit saved the day. Uh, Saints get 130 yards on the ground. Philly held to 67. There's your game. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Philadelphia came in with uh, the third or fourth ranked rushing offense. And yeah, I know they didn't have Jalen Hurts, which is a big dimension for their offense. Right. Uh, but yeah, you know, Miles Sanders is still one of the NFL's leading backs this year, and they just absolutely stuffed him. Uh, you know, especially when it mattered most, you know, third, you know, second and short, third and short, fourth right. and short. The Saints defense, oh, you know, front seven, own that uh, that tackle box. Uh, to your point, Philly, uh, three of twelve in third downs, o and two, o for two in fourth downs. The Saints much more efficient, seven of sixteen on third. Uh, one for one on fourth down. So you do that. Uh, both quarterbacks were were pressured. The Saints allowed seven sacks. The Eagles allowed six. So the quarterbacks were in harm's way all day long. <laughs> but all said and done, uh, the sun really does shine every day in Philadelphia. It was a beautiful day. 
Yeah, it really was, uh, you know, night and day, if you'll excuse the uh, the pun, uh, you know, from what they had to deal with in Cleveland the, the week before. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, Dennis Allen, I, listen, I know a lot of Saints fans want him gone, but I think these last couple of weeks, uh, you know, high-character wins, high-character performances, yeah. that cemented his job status going into 2023. I'm with you. He hasn't lost the locker room. Now they're 7-9. and nine. They got a chance to get to 8-9. and nine. He, They're not getting rid of Dennis Allen. But now he makes some may make some internal changes of his yeah. own, uh, but that'll be upon his uh, his watch. But heck, they've won three in a row, um, and again they're playing they're still playing hard, still playing yeah, hard. Yeah, and that, that that's the key. That's the key when you, you know, that's the biggest feather in his cap when he sits down, uh, you know, for his uh, you know, postseason evaluations with Mickey Loomis and ownership, uh, you know, that this team played hard and played well down the stretch. Uh, you know, and this three game winning streak, believe it or not, that's the longest winning streak they've had since midway through the 2020 season. Uh, you know, so that, that's well, uh, you know, that's well beyond, you know, the Sean Payton realm. Uh, you know, going back a year and a half, basically, uh, you know, and you're doing so with a pretty battered offense and still missing some key defensive yeah. pieces that that's big. I, I love Taysom Hill at 17 opportunities. He was uh, 14 on the ground for 46 yards, two for two in the air for 24 yards. He caught a pass uh, for nine yards. When he's playing well and they give him opportunities, the Saints just seem to thrive a little bit. They just do. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about it. Yeah, that, that seems to give a boost to the entire team, even defense and special teams. Uh, yeah, and say what you will about Pete Carmichael when he uses Taysom Hill, which is my All biggest right. complaint. Right. When he uses Taysom Hill, there's no better per, there, there's no better man that uses Taysom Hill in the way that he uses him. And I yeah, that that's what I like about Pete Carmichael. Andy Dalton. I mean, say what you want. You can say he's a game manager, this, that, and the other, but dadgummit, um, 18 of 22, 204 yards, did throw a pick, no touchdowns, but his accuracy is there. Um, has Rashid Shaheed become a, a possible number one wide receiver? I know Alavi's there, but Shaheed keeps putting up numbers, six catches, 79 yards, 13 yards a pop. I'll tell you, I'm more impressed by Rashid Shahid with uh, by uh, week by week. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and number one receiver might be a little bit of a stretch, but hey, you never know. Uh, you know, some guy named Lance Moore was an undrafted rookie as well. Yeah. He turned out to be pretty darn good. And, you know, Shahid, Shahid's only played you know, the, the bulk of nine, ten games this year. So that, it's a little bit of a stretch to compare him to a franchise Hall of Famer like Lance Moore. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, that has to make this team feel a lot better about the wide receiver position going into this offseason. With you. Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Oh, Cam Jordan. Not one. Not two. Three sacks. Oh, everybody had written him. Oh, his he's done. His career is over. Three sacks. Is he the all-time leading sack artist for the Saints now or something? Yes, sir, he is, at least yeah. if you go by official stats. Yeah. Now, you know, Ricky Jackson had eight sacks during his rookie year in 1981. NFL didn't start officially keeping track of the statistic until 82. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Ricky actually had 123 with the Saints, uh, but 115 of them official. So Cam Jordan now has 115 and a half, uh, you know, and, and God bless him. I hope that man is in Canton someday, you know, uh, Cam. Uh, you, you know he's, uh, you know he's a Saints all-time great. 
Uh, you know, it, the man's going to be 34 this offseason, and he's still doing it at a high level. The right. statistical production might not be his best year, but he still plays the run well. He still commands double-team blocking. Even before this uh, this, this uh, breakout against Philadelphia, he led the team in pressures. He is a team leader and an all-time great. If you if you had to make me pick this, the Mount Rushmore of Saints players, uh, okay. excluding coaches, I think Cam Jordan, if he's not on there, he's fourth, fifth, or uh, fifth or sixth. He, he's close if he's not on there. Yeah. Um, got to have Breeze. You got to have Willie Rofe, mm-hmm. Hall of Famer. Um, Ricky Jackson got to be there, I think. Yes. Yes. And then the fourth one, Cam, uh, Colston, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, Cam, Colston, Pat Swilling, Sam Mills, they yeah. all have legitimate claims, but the fact that Cam even has a legitimate claim tells you all you need to know about this man. I think you see the value of this next player. He hadn't played in forever and a day. He steps on the field, gets an interception. Lattimore is just a good player. He's a difference maker. He absolutely is. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I, I I take a little bit of heat when I describe him as an elite shutdown corner or one of the NFL's best, but he truly is. And yeah. you pull NFL receivers, except for Mike Evans, and they'll all admit the same thing. Uh, you know, Lattimore had to shake off some game rust. You know, Philly had, uh, had targeted a couple of times, you know, targeted him a couple of times with some success through the middle part of the game. Uh, but you know, that la- latter part of the game, and Cam said so too in post game that you know, Lat almost got an interception on a previous drive and he grabbed all 23 on the sidelines and he told he just told me he goes make sure you get the next one well the next one won the game and that's what kind yeah. of difference Marshawn Lattimore can make to a defense week 18 I guess it all depends on uh, who, who really wants to there's nothing to play for other than for pride and to say at the end of the season this is our this is our record um Saints hosting the uh uh, Carolina in the in the dome, twelve noon kickoff. God, would it be, it'd be pretty good if the Saints could win four in a row, wrap up this thing, finish eight and nine. That's that's pretty good. Not bad. Yeah, it it absolutely is uh, to do so against a division rival, no less. Uh, the New Orleans Saints have not had a double double digit loss season since the Katrina year of 2005. And before that, you had to go all the way back to Mike Dicka in 1999. That kind of thing means something to these players. Individual records are at stake. Uh, yeah, and Jordy, you were a competitor at a high level, so I know you'll agree with me when I say this. Anybody that says that this game that a game any game is meaningless has never oh, played sports before right. in their life that's this right. is not meaningless to these guys it means something seven and nine or uh, eight and nine looks a heck of a lot better than a 10 loss season to potential yeah. free agent destinations uh you know things like that uh you know it means something to these guys especially playing in front of that dome crowd i think they're going to come out and play hard oh drew Brees, i mentioned him i, I- I think he got a stark reality about what coaching's all about. Um, ooh, 63-7. He, he, he can only do so much. He can't go out there and throw for him. Uh, but, man, if that ever drives him back to uh, to the family and and maybe the maybe the broadcasting booth somewhere, uh, that, that'll do it. Uh, yeah, it could. Uh, yeah, and you, you have to recognize and congratulations to LSU and special congratulations for Tulane, Tulane for outstanding years. Uh, Purdue Purdue had a lot of their starters sitting out, you know, opting right. out of the bowl game. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think LSU did too. Um, but it, 
it's still a great win by LSU. I think that this was an audition for Breeze to kind of get his feet wet, yeah, his coaching feet wet per se. And you watch. Yeah, th- this is my early prediction for Uh-oh. 2023. Drew Brees will be an offensive assistant on where whatever staff that Sean Payton puts together wherever he lands. Not yeah. an offensive coordinator. He has too right. much inexperience, but a quarterback coach, a consultant. I think that this is why he did this kind of thing just to get the feel. Now, 63 to 7 is going to leave a bitter taste in your mouth. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, the 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 end is all about yeah you know, the the destination learns uh, yeah and this this could be a learning experience should be a learning experience for him. All right, well that would be counterproductive to what he talked about. He left the broadcasting world because he was away from his family too much. Right. Those coaches they're never home, so no. it, we'll see. Maybe he's got the itch. Maybe he likes to be active and 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 hey, whatever. God bless him. God bless him. Um. Let's take a time out here. We've got some serious things to talk about uh, in the NFL and uh, one more week of the regular season. We have a little bit more clarity with the playoff situation. Um, And we'll continue and talk about that with Bob Rose of the Saints News Network after this time out here on the Jordy Heltberg Show. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss. Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we continue with uh, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network with the Black and Gold Report, but uh, switching to the NBA. How about Donovan Mitchell of Cleveland scoring 71 um, in an overtime win uh, yesterday over the Chicago Bulls, coming back from the 21-point deficit. Uh, The 71, the most since Kobe hit 81 several years ago. All right, Bob Rose. Um from that to the, the the serious nature of sport, uh, you know, I, I said it earlier. You're riding the from this in this part of the world. You're riding the emotional high of LSU's win, Tulane's win, and you're anticipating watching Joe Burrow and Cincinnati taking on Josh Allen and Buffalo. And then very early, you, you see the hit and the dilemma facing Demar Hamlin, uh, and and just the the sobriety of it all. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts on it as you were watching? Boy, I tell you, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's the word sobriety is a good word. Uh, it is a sobering reality uh, when when life hits, uh, you know, and it, it certainly did so. Uh, prayers for Demar Hamlin and his family. Uh, that young man actually grew up about eight miles from where I live now. Uh, one of the greatest high school players in Pennsylvania history. Mm. Uh, used football to get away from a lot of gun violence uh, yeah, mm. in, in his town. Uh, yeah, and just the nature of how it happened. If you watched it, uh, you know, it, it, it's just so terrifying. Uh, you know, the, the word we're hearing is that he's he's in stable condition, uh, you know, still intubated uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and still in critical care. Uh, but the prognosis is trending upward. Uh, you know, and we certainly hope that that continues to do so. Uh, you know, but listen, this it wasn't a dirty hit. It yep. wasn't even an awkward fall. Uh, you know, it's just it's the kind of things that can happen it, you know, in life, really. But you know, in, in a violent game like professional football uh, you know, and sports in general, uh, you, know, you subject yourself to a lot of 
health-related issues, uh, both immediate and long-term, uh, you know, in every sport. And then you escalate the violence uh, on this level, uh, on the highest level uh, you know, of a violent game, uh, you know, and you realize what could happen. Uh, I can't, I don't even want to imagine yeah, you you and I are parents, so I know you know we our, our imaginations run wild, uh, you know, when something like this happens. Uh, but I don't even want to imagine what Demar's family is going through, uh, or what any of the players, Bill's players, his teammates, uh, or oppo- yeah, the opposing team, the Bengals. I don't want to imagine what they're going through. Uh, you know, having it, it was just such a surreal and terrifying situation. No question uh, about it. Why are people always, it's like people have to be critical of something or they're not happy. Everybody's coming down on the NFL for how they handled this thing. What, what did they want the NFL to do? Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, I thought, and I, yeah, I, I sent out a critical tweet of my own uh, because of the delay. Uh, yeah, I thought the NFL, in my opinion, the NFL should have, postponed the made the postponement announcement sooner than what they did uh i don't think the coaches or players were giving them any choice they weren't going back out there to play right. uh yeah and big props to both the cincinnati Bengals and buffalo bills organization for making that decision so quickly uh yeah and so decisively yeah, but outside players. of that Right. Uh, and yeah. Um, yeah. You, I can't even imagine trying to go back there and play a game. Uh, and yeah, the, the NFL, I do understand uh, you know, what they're trying to do uh, you know, as far as figuring out the schematics of the situation. That's so secondary to what happened to, to DeMar Hamlin and the situation right. that was unfolding on the field. Uh, you know, and hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, we could sit here and say the NFL should have made the immediate decision uh, you know, to to ultimately postpone it, which was the right decision, uh, which they uh, eventually made. But I, I'm trying to be understanding, too, about, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out the schematics and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but listen, I don't I think behind the scenes, there was no doubt with anybody in either one of those locker rooms that it wasn't going to continue i just know they're they're in a certain place we're all watching firsthand Mm -hmm. right there and they're trying to get information from to and from and back and forth uh it's it's you don't ever go to school for these kind of things Um, right and uh but kudos i did hear that at every NFL game, like an hour before the game, the, all these people that deal with this aspect of a, of a possibility meet, <laughs> meet with the officials. They introduce themselves. This is who I am. They've got, the, they've got the, the nearest course to get to the nearest hospital. It's all <laughs> choreographed. It's all programmed. They go through every proper – if you're going to ha- have a life-threatening situation – a football game at the NFL is the best place to have one because, boy, it's boom, 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 boom by the book, and they're there, and they're there immediately. Yeah, that's 100% true. And like you said, a lot of people aren't aware of those behind the scenes, uh, you know, organizations that take place, uh, you know, including all the, you know, the the local, the closest trauma centers the uh, you know, have their best personnel on standby. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't ask for a better strategy in place if god forbid the worst happens uh you know unfortunately we pretty much got to see the worst case scenario 
uh, you know, and, and medically, you can't ask for a better response. Uh, you know, the Bill's training staff obviously came out very quickly, uh, but uh, uh, medical personnel from both sides came out quickly. The ambulance was out there. They had to administer CPR, it's my understanding, not just once, but right. twice. Uh, you know, and they had everything that you could possibly have ready at the ready for that young man's really to save that young man's life. It's a broadcaster's nightmare. Yeah. What do you what do you say? I remember doing a basketball game uh, for ESPN in Albuquerque at the pit and they had a bomb threat. So mm. just before halftime, we're making this announcement. Um there's a bomb threat. The, the police are on site. They're going to bring the dogs in. We have to evacuate the building. Um, and so I got like two minutes of a game. They didn't cancel. They didn't call the game at, with two minutes to go in the half. We still did the game. Then we got all our stuff and boom, went out. Um, so, I mean, these things happen. It's nightmares. And some kid got a brilliant idea and he bought about 100 pizzas from um, I don't know, Domino's, whatever, and was selling them at inflated prices and made a <laughs> made a fortune. So there's always innovative and creative people out there. So anyway, um, again, um, prayers to Damar Hamlin, his family. We will go on. We're going to yeah. talk about the week 18. We're going to talk about playoff scenarios. They're not going to play that. They're not going to resume this game this week. Do they end up playing this game at all? They might have might have seat, seating implications. What do they do? I, Jordy, that's the, that's the tough thing. Uh, you know, and the NFL has left very, very little wiggle room, uh, you know, for something like this to, to occur. If the league is truly concerned about player safety and well-being, yeah. uh, then I don't see how this game can be played because you're either talking about a short week if they play it this week or a short playoff week for one or two of these teams that would be involved if they play it the following week. Now, I agree. It, you know, the, you know, it, it does have major postseason implications for not only those two teams, but really the top half of the AFC conference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think ultimately what the NFL will probably decide to do is rule the game as a tie because even you know uh, Cincinnati had yeah. the lead but yeah. it was only midway through the first quarter a tie equally helps slash hurts both teams I agree uh you know I grant you it pretty much it all but hands Kansas City the number one seed if I'm not mistaken but again we're talking about something so much more important than football so much more important yeah. than sports uh you know, I believe that in this scenario both teams would probably be agreeable to that uh uh, you know, and again, you know, without an extra week and with only one team getting a bye week, you've left yourself little little fallback space uh, you know, to, to play this game at all if you're truly concerned about player safety and well-being. I'm with you. I, I agree 1,000%. I think that's the only course that the NFL uh, can take. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. We do it every week. Uh, we get Bob's top five teams in the league. Uh, Philadelphia got beat. San Fran's on a nine-game winning streak. The Bills, we don't know what happened with them. Last week, your top five, Cincy number one, Philly number two, San Francisco three, Buffalo four, Kansas City five. So as we open up a new year after week 17, let's start at number five. Bob, who you got? Going to go Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Dallas is playing extremely well down the stretch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're still on the outside looking in for the NFC East title, but they got a shot. 
Uh, you know, they, they need Philadelphia to lose. But if Philly loses again and Dallas wins, Dallas is your NFC East champion. Uh, and they're just playing really well. Most The biggest point differential in the NFC, uh, they're a plus 145 in their 12 wins and four losses. A plus 145. Philadelphia is at plus 127. Dallas, uh, 12 and four. They've won two in a row all right at number four this week uh it's the team dallas needs to lose and that is the philadelphia eagles uh yeah listen i think philadelphia is still a legitimate super bowl contender uh but i think you saw the big big difference between the big drop off from jalen hurts to gardner Minshew. Yeah. uh yeah jalen we don't know Hertz how will play rowing shoulder is is for him yeah, he's gonna play uh, this week i don't think I there's think any so. question any question yeah. or doubt on that so yeah uh, i think so too because if philadelphia wins they get that all important buy so they can yeah. rest Jalen and those other injuries that are starting to pile up which is starting to become a little bit of a concern for them not the scenario they wanted in the city your brother they love two straight losses dallas and the saints and now they got to play all out to get the number one seed so we shall see uh at number three this week buffalo bills um and you know listen buffalo and cincinnati are both going to be in my top three obviously uh it has nothing to do with what happened last night i just think that the the bills (laughs) Bills and Bengals, uh, but the Bills are just playing really, really well. Uh, yeah, I. It's tough. I, I think they are a better team than what the Kansas City Chiefs are right now. Uh, you know, I, again, you know, Hamlin's injury is huge, uh, along with some other injuries that are piling up for them. But Buffalo seems to be firing on all cylinders at the moment. Um, all right, that's number three. At number two. Um... I know it's between one of two teams, so you tell me. Who's number two? I'm going San Francisco 49ers. Uh, They're just – they're finding a way to win by all rights. They should have lost that game uh, you know, against the Raiders this past weekend. Uh, you know, they just, they, they didn't come out as aggressive as what we normally see the 49ers and good teams find a way to win when they're not playing their best. And that's yeah. what the 49ers did that day. Yeah. Uh, you know, quarterback, you know, the inexperience of quarterback with Brock Purdy and the uh, potentially in the playoff, still a huge concern, but the 49ers are as talented or more talented than any other team at every other position. Given up only 264 points this season, by far and away the best defense in the NFC. They've won nine in a row. They're 12 and four, run, have run away with the NFC West. Um, boy, that's a tough team to beat. All right, number one for the second week in a row. Cincinnati Bengals, yes, yeah. for the second week in a row. Uh, <clears throat> I, you know, I watched that game, and again, you know, that tragedy still hits hard. It, may, yeah. it makes my chest hurt just well, talking they, about it. They sure looked good on that opening drive, didn't they? They wow. sure did, and they were driving well again on the second drive. Uh, you know, they're just they're playing better than anybody offensively right now. Defensively, they are extremely underrated. They really, really get after the passer and cause turnovers. Uh, you know, regard and you know, most importantly, Cincinnati showed last year that they could win. They could beat anybody anywhere. They're not a team that needs the home field advantage to advance in the playoffs. Uh, you know, and I, I just think it's so important their success last year because once a young team learns how to win as talented as they are, they're just a juggernaut to contend with. 
Um, Boomer Esiason's come out and said that uh, they should delay week 18 games and um, let uh, Cincinnati and Buffalo play again next Monday night. But boy, there's so many logistics involved yeah. in something like that. makes no sense. It doesn't. I mean, we talk about the, the schematic difficulty of rescheduling or uh, moving one game. Now you're talking about moving an entire league. Uh, you know, again, if there was a week delay between the playoffs and regular season, that would make a lot of sense. Perhaps that's something you do see in the future. Uh, you know, making the buy uh, you know, a, a lot less valuable, honestly. Uh, but it does leave you a little bit of wiggle room. Uh, you know, in the case like this, or in pre- you know, the previous couple years when we were dealing with COVID, if that situation would have arisen. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you, Jordy. I just, it's not a realistic scenario. There is a week off between the um, championship games and the Super Bowl. I guess what he's offering is to move everything back a week and not have that extra time uh, between the championship, the, the conference championship games and the Super Bowl. I, I don't know. Maybe they maybe they just keep the game as is suspended and go with their winning percentages to determine the playoff seedings. Uh, yeah, again, that makes the most sense to me. Uh, yeah, I, I understand it from, you know, if you're looking at the bill from the bills, Bengals, or for that matter, chiefs perspective, all three teams are in the, are the contention for the number one seed in the conference. So I understand it. But again, you're talking about life supersedes competition every time, every time. And if saving a man's life, postponing a game because a man's life was in jeopardy, uh, you know, it causes a little bit of shuffling around with your league schedule or standings, then so be it. We got some really good games this weekend with some serious implications, none more than Jacksonville and Tennessee. Uh, winner in, loser out. But uh, <laughs> Jacksonville, the game got flexed to Saturday, so the Jags have to play on a short week. They'll be playing Tennessee, who last played on Thursday in Week 17. So Tennessee has three extra days of rest in this thing. Uh, but they've lost six in a row, and the Jags are on fire. What do you think of that one? I tell you, I'm I'm pulling for Jacksonville. Uh, they're 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 a plucky group, as you know. I'm a fan of Doug Peterson, their head coach. Uh, you know, and you know Tennessee, they're without their starting quarterback Ryan Tannehill, who you know, he's not a Pro Bowler by any stretch, but he's an experienced guy in these situations. I think that's huge. Uh, you know, I, I think Jacksonville. We're, again, we're talking about young teams learning how to win. That's where Jacksonville is right now. They're learning how to win. So this is a daunting task for them, but I like their matchup this weekend against the Titans. Josh Dobbs starting a quarterback for Tennessee. They rested everybody in their last game. They knew about this, but it's not all over for Jacksonville if they lose. If the Steelers lose to the Browns, the Patriots lose to the Bills, and the Dolphins lose to the Jets, they're a wild card team. So it's yeah. still still not over and done. No, uh, but you know as well as I do from following the Saints these last two or three weeks, the last thing you want to do is depend on someone right. else, right. especially when your fate is in your own hands. And right now the Jacksonville Jaguars have to recognize that. I hate to be this guy, but I want Tennessee – I want Jacksonville to win so badly because I, I just don't like Urban Meyer. I just no. don't like him. I don't. So come on, come on, Jags. Show you can win without Urban. I love it. Um, what other game stands out to you? Oh, gosh. Um, 
the the NFC East matchups, you know, the, okay. the two matchups, uh, you know, involving the Cowboys and Eagles, obviously. Uh, but, you know, Washington, uh, I believe they're still in playoff contention, so they have yeah. to win. Uh, you know, the Giants, they went into a swoon for a while. They look like they're coming back around. So what kind of, you know, what kind of momentum are they going to have going into the postseason? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, Can- Kansas City, uh, you know, I, I, how are they going to finish the regular season? And, you know, most important, I'm going to be watching Buffalo and Cincinnati uh, to see you know, in their respective yeah. games to see how they respond. Uh, you know, again, life supersedes competition. But as you pointed out, life does go on. Uh, you know, the, these guys, how are they going to bounce back? I don't know. How are they going to be able to pull it together? Those, those are the teams I'm going to be watching. And I won't lie. I'm rooting for Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers to pull out a win against Cleveland and sneak their way into the playoffs. Uh, you know, they're, they're a team. They Wouldn't don't have a, a lot of weapons. Yep. Not, not a lot of weapons, but they're, they're starting to come around too. How about your Green Bay Packers, Detroit? Winner take all. If, but if Seattle wins, Detroit's eliminated. So, yeah. And they'll find this out before the game. So Detroit may be just air out of the balloon. Who knows? Yeah, they could be, uh, you know, and this is a real test for Detroit's character, uh, competitive character. Uh, again, a young team. They're not used to winning. Dan Campbell is as intense as they come as a coach. Uh, yeah, and you, you still have a chance to keep the Green Bay Packers out of the playoffs if you're the Detroit Lions, regardless of your own fate. So, you know, how is Detroit going to respond? They've been real schizophrenic all year long. So which Detroit Lions team are we going to get? <laughs> Bob Rose, one more game to go. We'll talk about it next Tuesday, and we'll talk about the playoffs. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Have a great week. You too. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's just in Willie Green named the Western Conference NBA Coach of the Month, leading the Pels to a 10-5 and record in the month of December. And the Pels currently sit third in the Western Conference with a 23-14 and record, a 10-win improvement from last season and the franchise's third best start through 37 games. Congrats to Willie Green. Um, if today is your birthday, January 3rd, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with uh, Formula One race car superstar Michael Schumacher is 53, and Eli Manning is 42 years young today. So happy birthday, Eli. Special thanks to our guest, Matthew Bruni of um, BengalTigersOn3.com. Tigers with a 63-7 win over Purdue. What a jump start to next year. John Clay. LSU versus Kentucky tonight, 7 p.m. Rupp Arena and Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Tomorrow, we'll recap the Tigers uh, and the Cats. We'll preview the Pelicans and much, much more coming your way. James Mesh, thank you, sir, for your job well done today. Thanks to all of you for listening in and our partners. 
Thank you. We couldn't do it without you. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4. Same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends, and stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. So long, everybody.